verse 20. <laughs> it says, I am, <laughs> I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's start with the word, a quick word of prayer, shall we? Uh, Lord, as we try to dive into your word tonight and, and open up your word, I pray, Lord God, that tonight our hearts will be stirred, that we will grow closer to you. I pray, Lord God, that you would guide me, give me wisdom, give me guidance, help my speech to be clear so that your word can go forth. And we love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you. Praise things in your name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to start off tonight by telling a very interesting story about Abe Lincoln most people don't know about. There's a man named um, Ben Boyd, who is regarded by crooks and cops alike as one of the greatest engravers and um, counterfeiters ever to live. Ben Boyd was so good at making the plates to, um, to make fake dollar bills that even the American government actually called back the $5 bill because he was just so good at making counterfeits. Eventually, they did catch him, and they imprisoned him. But in 1875, um, Big Jim Canal came up with a plot to get the U.S. government to release this master counterfeiter. His plot was to kidnap the body of Abraham Lincoln, to go into the tomb and hold it for ransom until they release Ben Boyd. He got with him guys named Jack um a local bar owner, Terrence Mullen, and a lowlife by the name of Louis C. Swiegel, who, unbeknownst to them, actually was working for the Secret Service at the time, who, if you remember correctly, was created to um, battle counterfeiters, right? So long story short, November 7th, 1876, election night of all nights, to rob the president's grave. The, the thieves called it an elegant time to do it. The four crooks broke into the... T- broke into the tomb to kidnap the body of Abraham Lincoln. The story goes that it was so dark in there that the Secret Service had actually placed an agent in there, and it was so dark that the agent never saw them walk in, and the crooks never saw him. Eventually, something went off where the the Secret Service and the local police started chasing down these robbers as they were trying to exhume the body of Abraham Lincoln. And as we start off by thinking about, man, that is a wild story. Why would you ever try to break into a grave to kidnap a body like that? Tonight, I want to take some time to talk a little about the sin of grave robbing. The sin of grave robbing. But that is a weird title. To go to a grave and decimate a grave like that is a disgusting sin. To want to, it is just an unimaginable why you want to go into a grave pull out a shovel, and take out a body. I got my illustration in here tonight. Visual aid. Why would you want to grab a shovel and go take out something that is dead? Yet many Christians do that. Oh, we want to maybe not going down to a graveyard. There's several things that Christ said are dead, that Christ says, I have put in the grave that too many Christians like to get their shovel out and to start digging it back up. Tonight, I want to talk to you about the sin of grave robbing and three graves that we as Christians 
should never go back and try to unbury. Three graves of Christians should not unbury. Number one tonight, let's talk for a second about the grave of sin. The grave of sin. Romans 6.1. What shall we then say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we, which are dead to sin, live any longer therein? Uh, Romans 6.10 goes on to say, For in that he died, he died unto sin once, that ye might live. Uh, in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon yourselves also to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. When Jesus died on the cross, he killed sin. He buried our sin. But too often, we want to get the shovel out and start digging down there and trying to bring back the sin. We want to start going in there and start living in that sin that God had already killed. We like to go back there and pull out and start digging out our previous sins. Previous sins. We like going back and looking at those good old days. We like going back there and thinking, oh, man, I'll tell you what, back in 1975, which I wasn't born in 1975, sorry. And they start telling these stories about the good old days. They start telling these stories all about, man, I remember back then, oh, it was so fun back then. And they start trying to dig up these previous sins. Oh, man, I tell you what, before I was saved, they'll pull out their shovel. Let me, let me show you what it's like. They'll pull out their shovel and start pulling out those dead sins, those previous sins from the grave. No, they're dead. Let's let them stay buried. Romans 7.13, it ends with, um, But sin that it might appear sin worketh death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might, bring, might become exceedingly sinful. Sometimes we'll look back before we were saved and we're like, oh man, remember back those good old days? Oh, remember when we used to do that? And we'll start laughing all about those sins. No, I mean, let's leave those previous sins dead in the grave. There's something for going back and using some of our past experiences and what God has saved us from as a testimony, right? That's not what I'm talking about. It's one thing, man, I can tell you. I mean, I was that wrench that God had saved. I remember beforehand, I used to do this. But God saved me from that. There's one thing for that. But too often as Christians, that, that's not how we're talking about it. We're talking about it like it's some big joke. Like our previous sins were just something funny. Oh, let me, let me show you this real quick. Oh, man, look out. And we start talking about it like, oh, it was such a great time back when I used to. No. That, that sin caused death. That sin separated you from your God. Oh, we, we like to think back on those, oh, look at these good old days before I saved. Man, oh, I had so much fun when I, when I used to. Um, like it was some grand party and not the fact that we were a slave to our sins. We go back and we think, oh man, this is so funny. Let me, let me tell you back when I used to, and we start laughing about it. Oh, I used to be able to down this. Oh, really? Man, Bible says, fools make a mock at sin, but among the righteous there is favor. Man, it is, when we go back there and we try to bring back these previous sins, we start trying to show them off like there was some good old time. But man, we're like dancing with dead man's bones. Over in Madagascar, they have a holiday whose name I'm about to butcher. I can't, I'm even just looking at this and getting embarrassed to even try it. Famadihana, F-A-M-A-D-I-H-A-N-A. I don't speak the language there. 
This holiday, they, it says, and according to Wikipedia, it says where they exhume the bones of their deceased relatives, rewrap them in fresh cloth, and dance with the with the wrapped corpses before before returning the remains to the graves. Can you imagine that? Going to a grave. One of our missionaries recently told a story about that. Recently, you guys remember that? They'll go to the graveyard, dig up their deceased loved one, rewrap them, and then start dancing with them. You saw dancing of the stars. Not, not quite. And they'll start running around, dancing with these gravens. We look at that and be like, you are crazy. In fact, over in uh, Madagascar this year, several hundreds of people have died due to the Babonic Plague, the Black Plague, because they keep doing that and bringing it back. We look at that and be like, what are you doing? It's a grave. Leave it there. But, but then we'll turn around and, oh, let, let, me tell you, let me tell you a story. That one time, me and this man ran, we were running from the police, and we'll go back to our stories and, we like to pull out the old stories. Guys, no, no. We don't want to be dancing with skeletons. Let's leave those dead sins there in the past. Our previous sins, you know, there's one thing if we're using them to, to talk about the grace of God. But if we're trying to make it for a joke, man, fools make a mock at sin. I don't want to be a fool. Hey, be careful to bring back those previous sins and start laughing at the stuff that kills Christ. Start laughing at those things that Christ had to be whipped for and to be bruised for, for he was bruised for our iniquities. Be careful about going back, taking a shovel, and unearthing those previous sins, laughing at them, thinking, man, this is some great old time. No, that, that was those times when you were deserving of hell before Christ saved you. Don't make a mock at those previous sins. I would remind you that we are... To avoid this, the, um, perpe- talking about the perpetual sins, we need to leave our perpetual sins there in the grave. Again, Romans 6.1. What shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Hey, once you're saved, you're always saved. Brother Lex and I were um, at his house today, and I, I made the classic joke about the, um, the, the guy who in a small, small little town the, um, so small, the pastor and his wife actually had to have second jobs to help support the church and support their livelihood. Um, the the uh, pastor um, and his wife, Grace. And one day, this young guy got, got some extra cash and decided to, hey, I'll go to the barber shop and, you know, get a haircut. And, you know, pastor's wife will shave me and it'll be, a, you know, it'll be a good old time. So he went there, got his haircut, got shaved. I've never personally had ever, anyone ever shave me, but some people like that. Um, and so when it came time for the bill, it cost $75, which for a guy's haircut, that, that, that's a lot. Um, but he's figured, well, you know, it's, it's for the pastor and his wife, you know, you know, bless their souls, right? So he paid him the $75. Um, the next day, though, when he woke up, he realized, well, he still didn't have any um, little stubbles or anything. He was looking pretty good. So, okay, well, a couple of days go by, and he was still just as clean-shaved, a week goes by and he starts getting a little bit worried. By the end of the month, he's trying to find this pastor to find out, well, what, what did your wife put on me? Some chemicals or something? The pastor just looked at him and goes, don't you pay attention in church? What, what, what do you mean? Don't you know that once you're shaved by grace, you're always shaved by grace? <laughs> That's a classic pastor's one. How many times have you ever heard that one? <laughs> hey, well, we're, we're saved. What does it matter if we go back to those perpetual sins? We're always going to be saved. What shall we say? Shall we... Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? We're just going to be under grace. What's the matter? No, God forbid. How, which, how shall we, which are dead, 
to sin. Live any longer therein. Too often, we as Christians will get a habitual sin, a sin that, man, we just keep going back to and keep going back to. And we start pulling it up out of the grave. We think, well, it's not that bad. Well, it's just a little bit of gossip. No one's going to know, especially with this piece of gossip. And they'll sit there and we're like, well, it's, it's, not, it's not that big of a deal. It's just, I'm just going to unearth it just a little bit. I'm just going to pull it back out just a little bit. Just want to check on it to make sure it's still there. And they'll start going back there. Well, I, I mean, I know I really struggle with this line, but I really don't want my boss to find out the real reason I was late. Or I, I, I know the cigarettes are wrong, and I told my family this would be the last one, but it's been a stressful day. And we'll keep going back to it, pulling it up and peeking at it. Can you imagine someone to a graveyard and was doing that? No, let me just see if he's still dead. Yep. No. But yeah, we'll do that too often with sin. Well, I know this is a sin. Let me just peek at it real quick. Yeah. Just go back to it over and over again. It's a habitual sin. Hey, remember, those sins are dead. They are disgusting. They were killed on the cross of Christ. I could preach an entire message all about habitual sins. Um, but no, just remember, you are dead to those sins. They can't control you. Even those addictions, which, seem, which are, by definition, addicting, and your body craves it so badly. No, you, you have the ability to overcome it. We have the strength. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ. We can overcome those things. We don't have to keep going back to the grave and pulling them back up. We need to go around our habitual sins and leave them there in the grave. But also, people love to visit, as they're looking at the grave of sin, they love revisiting their past sins. Sins done in the past, and not just before we were saved. When I think about this, I think mostly about those sins, not that we've committed, but that have been committed against us. Oh, man, I can tell you about this hurt, and look what this person did. Can you believe they did that to me? Paul turned around and said, Brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth onto those things which are before. This sin is too hard for so many people. They have a bad experience in their life. And I'm not downplaying their bad experience at all. It really happened. And a lot of times it may not even have been their fault or have nothing to do with their fault. But then too often we'll let that, that sin, that past sin, define the rest of our lives. We'll, we'll let that one wrong kind of be the main focus of the rest of our life. And before we know it, we let that root of bitterness crawl up into our life. Again, well, it's not my fault. I'm not the one that did This person attacked me. This person did this to me. It could even be a person. It could be, man, I, I can tell you when we were having the problems with losing the babies, when it came to, you know, six to seven to eight to nine to ten, Man, I can tell you, that started really, I really, really had a struggle with bitterness. It would have been so easy to get mad saying, well, why does this keep happening? It wasn't a sin. It was part of God's plan. It was part of life. And it's easy to get caught up in those past sins and let those past sins that someone did to us be the defining factor of our life, be the one thing that guides us. Whatever it was, whether it's some, something that you did in the past or something someone did to you, that past sin, that past bitterness, too often we'll go back and we'll start unearthing it. 
We'll sit there in bed. As we're drifting off to sleep, revisit it, pull out our shovels and start digging it back out. Man, I can't believe he did this to me. Oh, I know it's been 30 years. but And we'll start digging it out afresh. Hey, some sins, some trespasses against us. We can get into some deep ones, but we're not going to. Yeah, it really hurts. And it is really difficult to overcome. But God says, well, let all bitterness be put away over in um, Ephesians 4.31. We need to be careful about going back to those same sins over and over and over again. Digging him up. But you don't understand what he did to me. He was probably wrong. I'm not going to deny that in the least bit at all. But when we keep digging it up and digging it up and digging it up, it's going to create that bitterness. It is going to ruin the rest of your life, not theirs, your life. Hey, if you are dealing with that one, that that it's a sin that does require help, we'd love to help you out with it. But one of the first things we're going to do is you're going to have to put down your shovel. You're going to say, I'm not going to let my mind wander back to it over and over again. Hey, I understand that visiting the, the grave of past sins is so easy to do. It's so easy to slip back into this, you don't understand how unfair it was. Well, it was unfair. I'm not denying that at all. I am not denying at all that that person was wrong and they really hurt you. But careful about bringing the shovel out and pulling it back out. But he did this, and look at what he did here, and keep pulling it out and pulling it out and pulling it out. We need to learn to bury it. That's not an easy task. I seriously debated about preaching an entire message about this one subject. Maybe I will another next time I get a chance to preach. But, um, man... There are some things that we just need to realize. It's time to bury it. It's time to let it stay there in the grave. But I understand that it was a real sin. I understand that it really hurt, and it will still continue to hurt for a long time. But we don't need to keep pulling it out and pulling it out and pulling it out. There are some sins that we just need to put it in the grave and let it stay there. We need to leave the grave of sins alone and walk away from it. Next, number two tonight, I want to admonish us to leave the grave of self. The grave of self. Too many Christians want to go back and rob the grave of the old man. They want to go back to the flesh. They want to go back to the way they were before they were saved, to the desires of before their salvation. Bible says over there in Romans 6, 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. I love the words in the King James Bible. Destroyed. It is history. It is gone. That henceforth, we should not serve sin. It has been destroyed our old man, our old habits, our old nature, whatever you want to call it, of wanting to sin, was slayed with Jesus on that cross. When he died, he dragged it with him to the grave. It is in the grave. It is gone. You no longer have to do those former lusts. You no longer have to listen to that kind of music. You no longer have to go to those drugs. You no longer have to watch those kind of TV shows. 
You no longer have to say those kinds of words. They have been killed on the cross. And I like again that word there in Romans 6.6. 6. They have been destroyed. Destroyed. Wednesday nights upstairs, we and the kids, um, during the summer, we sing a song. The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. Why? There's been a great change since I've been born again. We don't have to do those old things. We don't need to listen to self. We don't have to go visit the grave of self. Um, We no longer have to go to that grave and check it out. Well, how can we avoid going back to it? It's so easy to slip back into the flesh, right? It is so easy to go diverge right back to that old nature. Let me give you some suggestions about how to avoid that grave of self. First part would be to change the attitude. We need to change the attitude towards it. I know sin is wrong. Now I want to change my attitude towards it. Start denying the flesh. We, when we come up to and realize, you know what? That's sin. I'm not going to do that anymore. First um, John 1.9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we're going to stop going to the grave of self, we have, we start, it starts with an attitude adjustment. It starts with us realizing that it is wrong. I like uh, Romans 7, 24 and 25. Oh, it says, starts off with, oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Then Paul goes on and says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So with the mind I serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Man, Christ gave us that victory over these desires. So when we want to slip back towards the old man and slip back to the old way of doing things, we realize, you know what? God can help us overcome it. We don't have to... Well, my flesh just likes this type of music. Yeah, but is it the type of music Christ wants you to listen to? Yeah, well, my flesh just likes watching this kind of sport. Yeah, is that the sport God wants you watching? Yeah, but this is just the way I like to, this is the way I like to eat. Yeah. But is that the way Christ wants you to? Are you just doing whatever is just the fleshly, whatever the body desires? Or are you going to allow, say, God, I realize that this is wrong. And God, I am now going to change myself. I recognize it's wrong. God, I'm, that idea is wrong. Help me, Lord, not to do it. We need to realize and change our attitude towards whatever that fleshly desire is. It may not even necessarily be a sin, but it's flesh. It's carnal. We have to say, that is, sin, that, that is just wrong. God, I don't want to do it anymore. Change our attitude towards it. Secondly, I would say to change the appeal towards it. Say, you know, I understand that, okay, God, help me to change my attitude towards it. I understand that sin leads to pain. I don't want to cause pain anymore. We to change the appeal, how it appeals to us. I thought of an illustration. How many of you know how hot dogs are made? I don't want to know. Because I, I like hot dogs. I like beef hot dogs. I, I try to eat the, the kosher ones, right? Um, I don't really care to know exactly how hot dogs are made. Because I know that once I find out how hot dogs are made, they'll lose their appeal, right? (laughs) But yet, once we stop and realize that the sin 
that fleshly desire where we're causing, what it actually does, it's going to lose its appeal. I, I don't know if I want to watch this show anymore because this show has a girl dressed that way. And I realize that it, if I watch that girl, my wife's going to start becoming insecure in our marriage. I, I don't want that. I don't want my wife to, to feel like that. I'm not going to watch that show. I'm not going to go around those. I realized that once I started cussing like that, that it's a sin against God. That's exactly why Jesus had to have his beard plucked off of his face. I realized the wages of sin is death. And I don't want to cause death anymore. I have a friend um, from up in Canada. He was born in the Philippines, moved to Canada. And his dad was teaching a Sunday school lesson one day. And he turned around and was saying the same thing. That our sin, and talks, he was talking about how our sin separates us from God. He said, I am so tired of my sin separating me from my God. He grabbed his chest and fell over dead. His sin no longer brought him. He was no longer there for his sin anymore. The wages of sin is death. When we continue in those sins recognize it is going to cause death. It causes pain in the family. It causes pain through the church. It causes pain in the community. Hey, once we stop and realize just how much pain our sin actually causes, the appeal to it will really go away. The, the desire will just start subsiding. We change our attitude. We change the appeal towards that sin. And then we change our activity towards it. We start realizing, you know what? I realize that this activity will lead me to this sin. So I'm going to stop this activity. There are some activities we as Christians can do which aren't in and of themselves necessarily wrong, right? But they might lead us somewhere towards sin. Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 6.12 says, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under power of any. As a Christians, we can do whatever we want and we will still be saved. But it's going to cause that pain. And we have to look and realize that certain situations will get me more likely to go back to a sin. Um, several years ago, I, I made the decision that on Sundays, I'm not going to go to car shows. Is there anything wrong with the car show in and of itself? Well, no. In Las Vegas, there used to be a car show. I used to love going Friday nights on my way home. I run into 15, 20 church members there. It was great. Um, I love that car show. There's nothing wrong with going to a car show at all, right? But I realize if I go to Sunday, I'll start being, in general, I'll start being fleshly. Uh, when it comes time for the preaching, I'll have a lot harder time paying attention. Because my mind will be thinking about the cars. And is there anything wrong with the car show? No, I'll go to the car show on Monday. But on Sundays, I got to keep my mind focused on it, because otherwise I'll end up in a sin. There's some situations we just got to make sure we just stay away from, because that's going to lead to sin. There's the old adage about a recovering alcoholic shouldn't go into a sports bar for a burger, right? Is there anything wrong with burgers? Well, no. But walking in there, I mean, that's going to lead you to a sin, right? If hanging out with certain people will make you're more likely to start cussing around them, well, maybe just stop hanging around those people. If you know going into a restaurant you'll be tempted with alcohol, well, then don't go into that restaurant. A mature Christian realizes that certain activities 
Well, they may not be wrong. They can, they'll lead you towards that sin. Well, then, let's just skip the activity. If we know that if we're around these people, they'll start listening to this music, and that'll get us into, you know, well, let's just not, not go there. If we know that we have that stumbling block, you know, let's just avoid it. Several years ago, um, I had an opportunity to go to a graveyard to go visit a deceased relative. And I realized just emotionally, I really wasn't ready for it. So I decided not to go. I avoided the activity. We can avoid visiting the grave of self if we start realizing that that, that that carnal desire starts when I do this. So don't visit the graveyard then. If we realize that if I do this, I'll end up doing this and end up soon in sin... Well, then take a couple steps backwards and don't go to the graveyard. Don't do that activity, whatever activity that is, that will lead you to that carnal activity, lead you to then those fleshly desires, and that will lead you to sin. Just skip the graveyard. Avoid it. We need to skip the grave of self. We need to stay away from the grave of sin. And finally tonight, I want to talk about the grave of being self, the grave of self-centeredness. The grave of self-centeredness. Going back to our text over here in Galatians 2.20. Again, it says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The grave of self-centeredness. We talked about self as in the old man. But as we grow as a Christian, we normally start off as a Christian when we are a baby Christian. You know, my house smells a whole lot like baby right now with all the diapers around and everything. We start off as a baby. We, we, we struggle with those sins. But then we start maturing. And we start becoming more battling than with the sin of self, right? We start realizing the activities are wrong. But we need to grow, going from the self then to learning, to growing to the point where we stop being self-centered and start being selfless and start serving with it. Too many times, Christians act like their life is all about them. They think that they have rights. They choose how they want to live their life. They choose where they want to go to church. They choose what kind of job they want. They think their lives are about themselves. That's being self-centered. I I used to do this thing with with, um, a certain child where I used to say, Pretend this is the earth, okay? Pretend this is the sun, okay? The earth revolves around the sun, okay? The earth does not revolve around you. Hey, there comes a time in our life where we have to stop living our life like we're the center. Our lives are not about us. We are crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. We need to learn to have a different spirit about us. 1 Corinthians 6.19 What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? Which you have of God? And ye are not your own. You are bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are Christ. When, when you, the moment you got saved, the Holy Spirit took 
took, became indwelling in you, took up residence in you. And as he is now in you, you're now his tool to use. You are supposed to be the temple working for God. It is no longer your choice where you work or what you do on the weekends or who you should talk to. It should be about Christ. That's a different kind of spirit, isn't it? Too often we get so self-centered. We think, well, this is how I want to do things. Well, this is how I feel about this. Well, no. You need a different spirit because the Holy Spirit, a different spirit, is now in you. Too often we want to avoid activities because that may make me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, if God's called you to it, that's what you need to do. It's not your life anymore. When sometimes I'll ask someone to volunteer for um, a ministry, Pastor Mike was calling me the other day a, a broken record, right? Last Sunday he called me a broken record. Yeah, I can be a broken record. Um, I'll start saying, hey, how about, how about you get involved in doing this? I don't know. I might feel uncomfortable knocking on a stranger's door. I, I to, Sometimes I just want to tell them, I don't care if you're comfortable. I care if you're holy. <laughs> I don't know if I have that skill or ability, Pastor Levine. I don't want you to do it with your power. I want you to do it through Christ. And we'll sit there and we'll act like, you know, oh, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't feel like doing this. I don't care what you feel like doing. I care if you're obeying Christ. I, I am very uncompassionate, huh? Last week, someone and I were talking about those fires in California. And they were telling me, oh, there's fires in California. I said, yeah, and the grass is also green. I, had no, I don't have the sympathy. When people are like, well, I, don't care. I may not be comfortable with that. Well, I don't want you to be comfortable. I want you to be holy. I want you to start following after God, to have the different spirit about this attitude. No, our lives as Christians may not be the most comfortable ever. Hey, Christ has called you. To have a different spirit about you. A different plan with your life. We have to realize, no, it is not about you anymore. The moment you got saved, he bought you. Therefore, if he purchased you, he can do whatever he wants with you. At my house, I have a screwdriver that has a huge bend in it. I do not use it for screws. I use it for plying stuff up. It is my tool. I can do whatever I want with my tool. What are you willing... God's looking at you and saying the same thing. You're my tool. I should be able to do with what you, with what I want, with my tool. We need to realize to have that different spirit about us. Okay, Christ? Christ, you bought me. I am yours. Whatever you want to do. I, I might be scared, but it's your life. That'll lead us then to having a dramatic shift in our mindset. Again, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Hey, it is, our lives are not about us. We live, we we died with Christ there, and we live then for Him. The other day my family was visiting someone in the hospital, and on the way out, trying to be a good dad, trying to be a good teacher, I asked, Kiara, why do we do this? I don't know. Okay, let me teach you. Because they needed a touch of God, and we got to be his hands. 
God, when he wants to do something, he's not going to send a hand, hand down like he did for um, Belshazzar, right? That whole story was scary. Everyone got scared when they saw a giant floating, oh, I don't know if it's giant, but still a floating hand sitting there. That would be scary, right? God's not, God's not going to send a giant floating hand, or floating hand. God's not going to send the angels to do it. No, he's going to send us to do his job. He wants us to be his hands to accomplish his work. Each of us can impact someone for, the, for Christ. Each of us have a job and a role in the local New Testament church we are supposed to fulfill. Why do we feel like we're struggling in ministries getting volunteers? Because someone's not doing the job that God has called them to do. Brother Levine, you're just being that broken record, Pastor Mike said. Yeah, but it's because I'm trying to get you to, to obey Christ. It's because I'm trying to push you to realize you're not your own. No, we need to bury that self-centeredness. You are not, this life is not about you. We need to step out in faith and do something great for God. Maybe it's going to work in the nursery. Maybe it's God wants you to start joining the choir. But I can't sing good. That is not a prerequisite for singing in the choir. Um, back in California, I, I got to lead a man to Lord one time who um, was brain damaged. He was beforehand was in a gang, got beat up so badly that his mind no longer functioned correctly anymore. And I bring him to church with me. He got saved. Um, we come to church, and when, when he, we would sing, he would sing every note. I mean, the old saying, he couldn't carry the tune in a bucket. Well, he didn't even have the bucket. He would be. I mean, it was it was really bad sitting there next to him. But um, but really, he was singing out for the Lord. He wanted to join the choir because that's what God had called him to do. But he couldn't. I mean, trust me, he really couldn't sing. I mean, but hey, God had called him to it. Maybe God's calling you to join the choir to help out in the nursery. What has God called you to do? A few years ago, Pastor Peslak asked me to do kind of a weird job here at the church. Most of you guys know I, I try to at least pretend to be a handyman, or at least try something. Pastor Peslak, what he had me do is go to each of these pews and, watch, this illustration's not going to work, re-secure them out of the ground. There was one pew, I think it was the Yankowski's, it was your pew, or where Miss Plute is at, that was totally disconnected. Um, you go, do you guys remember that? You stand up and the whole pew would almost start falling over. Was that your pupil, Lankowski? <laughs> and so, um, Pastor President had me come in here and re-secure and remount all the pews. Whatever one that was, it was actually kind of funny. I had to have Pastor Mike like hold it up, I had to slide a jack under there, try to figure out what was going on. It was weird. But, um, yeah, I went back and I secured all the pews. Say, Brother Levine, why are you saying that? Because the pews, if you get up and you start serving God, the pews won't run away. God has not called you to sit there and make sure the pew doesn't run. No, God has called you called you to serve in his church. Well, Brother Levine, I'm already in the choir. Great. Well, then step out and do something greater. Sing a solo. Well, I, I teach a Sunday school class. Well, great. Maybe make some business cards and start trying to go out there and targeting people for your Sunday school class. Whatever you're doing, step out. Step away from the self and step out and do something greater. Leave that self-centeredness in the grave. Let it be dead. 
I think dead things are gross. Um, while living in Las Vegas, I used to get... I used to work at a storage company, right? People would come, spend all sorts of money on items that they no longer needed. And they keep them there. Well, um, even, yeah, I got one laugh out from Kiara. Good job, Kiara. <laughs> uh, eventually, as you guys probably seen the show, Storage Wars, yeah, we would sell the storage units. Uh, one auction came around, they went out there, they cleaned it, and then the person who bought the unit came up to me and said, um, brought to me an urn and said, what should I do with him? He had found an urn in the, um, in the storage unit. Kind of gross, right? Um, it was, there was the name of a, um, of a funeral home on there, so we didn't think it was like foul play or something. It was Las Vegas, who knows. Um, so I, I, I still called the cops the non-emergency line. They came by, they checked out and said, well... Nevada, there's no actual rule about how to dispose of a body. Which, again, insert mob joke here, right? Um, so the policeman left. The guy who bought the unit just put it down and walked away and left. So I was left with a dead body in an urn. Man, I don't necessarily... I'm not, like, super soon anything. I don't necessarily want to be around a dead a body, Right? Yet too often as Christians love to go back, pull out our shovels, and start digging up our old sins. You should have seen it back in the day. They start digging up. Uh, just, just, just one more lie. Uh, it's, no one will notice. We'll start digging up. Oh, you can't believe what this person did to me. We'll start digging up their old sins. Too often as Christians, we'll go and we'll dig up the old man. No, man, we don't want to dig up the old fleshly desires. No, let, let's change our attitude towards it. Let, let's, let's, let's change the, the uh, appeal towards it. And if we need to, let's just change the atmosphere. Get away from those places that will lead us to stumble into sin. And then we need to get to the point where we'll leave our self-centeredness in the grave. To, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. No, my life is for Christ. Jesus, you bought me. Therefore, it's you. Lord, help me to shift to have, to, change, to have that different spirit and to shift my paradigm to focus on being one of your servants. Tonight, do you need a shovel? Do you need to bury some, keep something buried in the grave? As I close, let me just ask, are you leaving your sin in the grave? Are we leaving ourself, the old fleshly desires, in the grave? And I'd ask you tonight to make sure that you're leaving your self-centeredness. I'm going to serve Christ. Whatever the job is, even if I'm uncomfortable, I'm going to serve Christ no matter what. My self-desires have been put in the grave. Let's pray, shall we? Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for tonight. Help us, Lord Jesus, to realize that some things just need to be left in the grave. And we love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you. Praise things in your name. What this really comes down to is are you going to trust Christ and embrace his new life for you that he gave you as a new creature? Or are you going to continue to drudge up the past and allow that to plague you? I think of a person who straps a dead corpse to their body and walks around. The infectious diseases that they get. And when we walk around and we think our sin is cute and fun and 
Our uh, worshiping of ourself is cute and fun and everything's about me and self-centeredness. Boy, that's lust, which brings sin, which brings death. And so we've got to get to a place where we lay that to the side and we, we say, Lord, I'm yours. You tell me how you want me to live and I'm going to do my best to do that. Old preacher once said, sinners leap into sin and they love it. Christians ought to lap into sin and loathe it or hate it. It's not that you're never going to sin again, Christian, but every time you sin, you ought to hate it. And those perpetual sins, those habitual sins that you just can't seem to get out of your life, instead of giving up and living in that sin, why don't you tonight commit anew to ask God to give you the victory in those areas as you submit to Him. Let's stand to our feet. The piano plays. The altar's open. How about it tonight, Christian? You make some decisions for the Lord that you'll leave what belongs in the grave in the grave and be that new life in Christ.